We, as I mentioned, are, are, um, we're thinking last week, as Kaya shared, on um, living in this unbroken fellowship with God. That's what Kaya was sharing a little bit of, and, and that's been part of our, our theme, our series called Scattered Servants. Um, this, this series is about our being prepared to be in the world, uh, sharing um, and, and serving the world as a reflection of Jesus' love. Jesus came not to be served, but to serve. And so we're being prepared by God to go, to be scattered out and to, to bring his love through service. Um, and we're focusing in this series on John chapters 13 to 17, um, which is Jesus' final hours with his disciples, preparing them for this journey. Um, and, and I... What I find really interesting in, in reading these, these chapters is that this whole final preparation for service to the world, it, it's preparation of this and not this. Uh, it's, it's not about strategy, it's about heart posture. Um, so that whole idea of unbroken fellowship with the Father and, and the, what we were created for that we saw in the garden that we'll see again when Revelation 22 comes to pass, this unbroken fellowship with God through the Son by the Spirit. Like this is the fullness of life that's available to us uh, if we would take hold of it. And it's not just the gift for us to take hold of, but it's the way we serve the world. So as we go and are scattered to be servants of others, uh, to bless the world, to bring the kingdom, it's, that happens through walking in unbroken fellowship with God. Um, you see this in whatever gospel you read in Jesus' final commission of his disciples. Matthew's gospel, I will be with you always. Luke's gospel and Acts, you will receive power from on high. Mark's gospel, signs will accompany you. In other words, it will be evident you walk with God. So this is it's all over the gospels. And I want to encourage you in the weeks ahead, as we think about being prepared as people, to be scattered servants, uh, carriers of the kingdom, um, be reading John chapters 13 to 17. These are words that prepared Jesus' disciples for a time of transition. They pre- it prepared them for a time of change and, and, and a shift in what was normal. And so I think that these words are particularly significant for our congregation right now. A time of transition, a time of change, as Piara Waters has been launched and things have shifted here in this place. Uh, and, and not just uh, the parts of, the, of John 13 to 17 that I'm going to preach on. Kaya and I can't cover everything in the few sermons we will do. So I want to encourage you, go home, read these chapters, these beautiful words, and allow God to, to speak to you personally and how this prepares you, prepares us uh, for this time that we're in, this season we're in. Um, I'm going to invite uh, John to come, after that little intro, to come and and read from uh, the third of these five chapters, John chapter 15, and uh, then I'll offer some thoughts. So reading John 15, verses 1 through 8, Jesus is is the true vine, and I'm reading from the New Living Translation. Now, this is a familiar passage, isn't it? We've all heard it before, haven't we? (laughs) But I ask you, please listen, because the wonderful thing about God's word is it's always saying something new to us. So listen. 
I am the true grapevine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit, and he prunes the branches that do not bear fruit so that they will produce even more. You have already been pruned and purified by the message I have given you. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit of its own, sorry, for a branch cannot produce fruit if it is served, severed from the vine, and you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Yes, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me you can do nothing. Anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. Such branches are gathered into a pile and to be burned. But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want and it will be granted. When you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. This brings great glory to my Father. This is the word of the Lord. Before I pray, can I have a volunteer to scramble this Rubik's Cube as well as they can? Okay. Oh, here you go, Greg. I'll I'll give it to you. Thanks, Greg. Let's pray. There is a point to that. It'll come later. Father... As John has just said, your word is alive and, and uh, says something new to us every time. So this, this passage that to many of us, if not most of us, will feel familiar, we pray that you would um, just allow the beauty of your word to shine this morning. Help me not to get in the way of that, Father God, um, and allow our hearts to receive what you have for us in Jesus' name. Okay, so we're in John chapter 15, and in John... 13 and 14, Jesus has been hanging out with his disciples in a room somewhere and, and, and in 13, chapter 13, been talking about serving and, 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 and he washes their feet to demonstrate that. In John 14, he talks about this, this reality of him and the Father being one and having this intimate connection and then promises the Holy Spirit, who of course is going to make that connection with God that he has possible. And so this he's, he's been having these conversations. We haven't, of course, covered all of that in the last couple of weeks. Uh, but in John 15, they start, just before that, they start moving out from that room. So they're now out walking. And uh, maybe they pass through a vineyard, right, with vines and branches and grapes and things. Uh, and maybe that's what prompts this metaphor of the vine and the branches. Maybe, though, they passed by one of the gates into Jerusalem, which had a beautiful, at the time, had a beautiful carving of a vine with rich fruit on it. Why, why this carving and one of the gates to Jerusalem? Well, because this was how the Jewish people understood their place in the universe. They strongly believed that their connection to the temple, the priest, the, the sacrifice, the offerings, this whole system which Jerusalem was at the center of, that their connection to that, that belonging to this 
connected to this was life and bear, and this is what meant bearing the fruit of the kingdom of God. So to them, the kingdom of Israel and the temple worship, all of that, that was the vine that they were connected and plugged into. And Jesus is walking with them and says, Hey guys, I am the true vine. And if you know the context, you, you, you go, whoa, whoa, whoa. You, you imagine them saying, hang on a minute. I am the true vine. Jesus, what, what are you saying here? That's, that's, that's shocking, right? Are you saying, Jesus, that all of this that we understand, this what we understand to be the vine, that you're going to replace all that? He's saying, yeah, that's exactly what I'm saying. It's no longer a religious system, a culture, a national identity that you'll find life and power in now. It's found in me. And so for us, whatever you and I have tried to, because we all try to draw life and power and meaning from something, we, we connect ourselves to these vines that we think if we just drink from this, it will allow us to produce something good in our lives. Everything else she says, I'm replacing it. I am the true vine, the unbroken fellowship. Kai spoke about last week that we are made for, created for, started within Genesis 1. We'll return to it in Revelation 22. It's like it's a connection like a branch to a vine connected to God. Jesus says, I am the true vine, and he says, you are the branches. Now, in the previous chapter, Jesus has mostly been talking about the intimacy he has with the Father. I and the Father are one, which you would expect from the Son of God. But now it's us. You are the branches. In verse 9, which we didn't get to today, he, he, he says, I have loved you even as the Father has loved me. Do, do you hear the how scandalous this is. John Tyson, a preacher in New York, says, if this wasn't in the Bible, I'd think it's heresy. Because Jesus is saying that the love that exists within the Trinity, the love, the perfect and pure and faultless love that makes God, God, and makes our love look like hate and pride in comparison, this love has been expressed and poured out on us. The love the Father has for me, so I have poured out. I have loved you even as the Father has loved me, Jesus. This is mind-blowing, that kind of love poured out on us, which means it won't fluctuate. God's love won't fluctuate based on our worthiness. Jesus says, remain in my love. He also says, let my words remain in you. And so what then is abiding in Jesus? We hear this word abiding, we might, you might sing songs about it, abide in the vine, abide in Jesus. What is it? It's believing he loves you and believing what he says about you to you. A branch, if you think about it, a branch receives uh, sap, it receives the life it needs from the trunk or the vine. It drinks, if you like, from the source. It simply receives all it needs from the vine. That's what the branch does. And so abiding is receiving what Jesus has for us, believing in that sense what, what he has done for you, just drinking from him, believing, receiving, most of all, his love. Uh, love that's not because of anything you did, not because of anything I did, Just it's just because he loves you. Because the love the Father had for him, he poured out on us. 
It's through that connection, then, that we bear fruit. A branch cannot produce fruit, Jesus says, if it is severed from the vine. So it's not just the branch that produces fruit, it's the connected branch that produces something good. So if we recap the metaphor so far, Jesus is the vine, we are the branches. It's connection to him that allows us to bear fruit. And if disconnected from him, we can't bear fruit. Nothing can flow from our life that's of value. Now, that's a big statement. Uh, do, we, do we believe that? Do we really believe this metaphor is true? But that's the metaphor. Jesus the vine, we're the branches. It's the connection to him that allows something good, the fruit to come from our life. But Jesus also says this, my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit. And he prunes the branches that do bear fruit so they'll produce even more. We prayed at the beginning of this service that we would be led by the Spirit, those of us at the front here, and I feel like God led John to mispronounce the Bible reading this morning because he said, and he prunes the branches that do not bear fruit. And maybe you noticed it. Maybe you didn't. So... Good job, John and Holy Spirit. <laughs> he prunes the branches that do bear fruit. We'll come back to that later. So that will produce even more. So thinking about how the grapevine grows, produces grapes, and keeps on doing so season after season, what's this pruning thing? Well, in the first century, and I'm sure it's very similar today, if branches weren't pruned back, especially early on in their life, they might bear some fruit but would collapse under the weight of that fruit because they weren't strong enough yet. So that's why the pruning needed to happen. By pruning the branch back, they would grow stronger. The branch would strengthen. It might then produce some grapes, but then be pruned back some more and then grow a little bit stronger and produce more bigger grapes and then be pruned back and so on. And so there's this rhythm there's a pattern that happens for the branch season after season, and it looks something like this. The branch abides, if we go next slide, abides in the vine, abiding, like stays connected, remains there, grows, bears fruit, and then is pruned back to just abiding and grows and bears fruit and is pruned and then just stays, remains, abides, grows, fruit, pruning, abiding, growth, fruit, pruning, abiding. That's the rhythm. That's the pattern. And so within this, this metaphor that Jesus is talking about, the first principle to understand that Jesus is teaching is that connection to him is crucial. It's through abiding in him. It's through that remaining in his love that we bear good fruit, the fruit of the spirit, the fruit of the harvest, the fruit of the kingdom coming, the fruit of joy. He says, I tell you these things later on in the passage, I tell you these things so you will be filled with my joy. Of course, one of the fruit of the spirit. And note that in every stage of this pattern, not just in the first one, abiding is happening, right? So you grow as you abide. You, you bear fruit as you continue to abide. You get pruned as you abide. Abiding meaning stay connected, remain, stay there. And sometimes you just abide. But it's not as if the branch kind of goes, okay, I've abided 
now, and, and I just, I'm going to pluck myself off, now I'm going to grow and I'm going to drop some fruit somewhere, now I'll come back and it's time to be connected in again because I'm feeling a little bit weary. That's not, that's not what this means. The abiding is happening all the time. There's just one stage where it's only abiding. Abiding brings fruit. That's the first principle. But the other principle here is that it's not just some magic thing by, where, whereby remaining in Jesus' love abiding in him, you'll randomly pop out fruit here and there as you go about life. It's not sort of random and just sort of all happens at once. There is a pattern. There is a process. There is a rhythm in how God, the gardener, works in our lives here. As you abide, you grow, strengthen, then you bear fruit, but then that fruit is used by God in the wine press, and you are pruned back. So there are times in the pattern when the fruiting stops for a while. We're pruned and all you can do is just abide. So the question is, what is this pruning? I don't know that you and I could you or I could definitively say, you know, this is what pruning always looks like in the life of a Christian. I don't think it's as simple as that. Now, it might look like a cutting away of things that are stopping us from growing in Christ-likeness, right? Things that are maybe flawed in our life, sins or, 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 you know, things that are getting in the way. But remembering that the Father prunes those that are bearing good fruit, not the Father prunes those who don't bear good fruit, the Father prunes those who those branches that are bearing fruit. I certainly don't think pruning is just discipline or dealing with our faults, right? I don't think it's just, just that. Maybe you could say something like this, that pruning is God in his sovereignty removing that which he knows needs to be removed from our life, whether that's a good or bad thing, and it's all for our ultimate good. Maybe you could say something like that. Now, that's, that's all great. We can talk about what is pruning, how do we determine it. But what I actually want to share this morning is what I think pruning can feel like as branches connected to Jesus the vine. Because if we don't recognize and embrace this part of the pattern or the process of God growing us, bearing fruit and through us and you know, us being connected to him, if we don't embrace that this is the reality of walking with Jesus, then the risk is that we'll try to pull away from his work in our lives when we experience it. We don't realize it's happening and we go, I have to deal with this some other way. But if we embrace it, it's, it can be a good thing. So I want to explain this through another metaphor. Do you feel you have sufficiently scrambled this, Greg? Okay, could we get a double check? Sufficiently scrambled? I have not watched how Greg has scrambled this. I'm actually a little nervous about this because there's about an 80% chance I'll get this right. I want to explain what I, I think uh, some parts and stages of the Christian life are like through showing you the stages of solving a Rubik's Cube. Um, I got the chance to, to uh, um, uh, learn to solve the Rubik's Cube with Micah. Karen got him a, um, uh, 
a Rubik's Cube a little while ago and an instruction booklet that says this is the stages you go through. And I thought it'd be really complicated. But basically, you just have to follow a number of steps, one by one, six or seven stages, and you move through and use some simple patterns and you get to the end. You solve it. Um, the very first one is solving the white cross at the bottom. And, and it's a little bit intuitive. Like it's hard to say, well, these are the exact, exact steps you follow. You just kind of work it out and you can do it with that step. And that's a little bit like the beginning when you come to the cross you, you you it's sort of you kind of go with the flow there's nothing set you're sort of doing it just kind of and it's a it's a little bit intuitive you go with the flow but after a while if you're walking with Jesus and you're just going with the flow you probably find you're not moving forward and that there needs to be some simple patterns some simple uh, a bit of a process of growing maybe some disciplines some spiritual disciplines such as you know, reading your Bible, praying on a regular basis, or whatever the, the case may be. With the Rubik's Cube, the first of the, um, of the stages is it involves four basic moves. Um, and I'm doing them quickly here, but you basically go up on the right, across on the top, down on the right, back on the top. And what that did is that flipped two cubes around and I got this one in place because I'm trying to get this whole bottom layer at the moment. And I'm just doing it a number of times. That one just happened one time. This one might take four or five. Nope, there we go, one time, done. Bottom layer all solved. You can see red, blue, you know, on, on the bottom. When you go to the next stage in the cube, you... Um, you have to include a few more steps. So this one has eight moves involved in it. And that's a little bit like when you keep moving forward with Jesus, it might not just be read your Bible, pray, go to church on a regular basis. It might be, well, I need to seek out a Christian mentor because that's going to help me grow as well and I'm going to learn from them. I might need to engage in some deeper Bible study. Uh, you know, th there's maybe a few more things you want to involve. But if you follow some of these patterns, it's, it's going to help you move forward. It's going to help you grow. So I've sold the bottom two layers now. Um, when you get to some of the later stages, what you will notice if you look... Uh, hang on. Okay, I almost mucked it up then. This, this was what I was worried about. Okay, let's try that again. What you will notice is that um, it's not just about the patterns I'm following, but it's also orienting the cube in the correct way. If I did that pattern turn this way, it wouldn't have worked for me. If I do it turn this way, it's helping me move forward. That's also a little bit like the Christian life. We can go through the motions but if our heart's not in it and our heart's not orientated towards Jesus, it just becomes re religious devotion, right? We're not actually moving forward. Hang on. That was also wrong. <laughs> uh, let me just concentrate for one second. All right, there we go. Um, so you've got to orientate your heart in the right direction in walking with Jesus. Otherwise, uh, things, can, things can even go backwards if it's just religious exercise. But what is most interesting to me about the Rubik's Cube is this last step where I have got the Rubik's Cube almost completely solved. And if none of that made sense so far in terms of the metaphor, don't worry about it. This is the most important bit. I have almost 
got the, the cube completely solved. So the white's all done, the, the, the um, blue, the orange, and the green, they're almost completely in place. But you can see there's these three cubies left, they call, that's what they call them, cubies, um, which are in the right place. So this one should be the blue, orange, and yellow. It is the blue, orange, and yellow, but it's turned in the wrong direction. So what you do is you just grab it and you... <coughs> No, that's not what you do. That's called cheating, and it can actually muck the whole thing up. Um, so don't do that in the Christian life either. <laughs> you would think that in this last stage, the pattern, the algorithm that you've got to follow would maybe be the most involved, the most complicated. Like maybe there's 12, 15, 20 turns involved in solving it now, whereas previously it's been six, four, six, or eight. What I find interesting is that actually... This last stage goes right back to the simplest pattern. You know the one I showed you before where you go one, two, three, four? You simply do that a couple of times, in this case four, and you move through the cube. And you are getting closer now to solving the cube. Hang on. Uh, so I'm almost there. Hang on. Wait, wait one second. Um, okay, yeah. <laughs> Every, okay, wait, hang on a minute. So, what, uh, okay, I have a, no, no. Everything looks like it's mucked up, right? It looks as if all of the hard work so far, and this has been hard work, <laughs> preaching and solving at the same time. It looks as if everything is out of whack, that all the hard work I've done so far has been lost. What if I told you there was simply four turns plus one final one of the bottom layer left and that'll go into place? I'm 70% sure that that is the case and I'm going to close my eyes because I can't look. <laughs> I think this is a little bit what I just showed you a second ago and I'll go back to that stage that this is a little bit what pruning can feel like. There's a simple pattern God uses in our life, lives. One, two, three, four. And it feels like for going through that pattern, everything's out of whack. Like this is right now. It looks almost completely scrambled. And yet, we're almost there. It's that four steps of abiding, growth, fruit, and pruning. We abide, we grow, we bear fruit, he prunes us. Abiding, growth, fruit, pruning. And we go through this pattern, and yet it feels like everything's wrong. We go especially through pruning, and it feels disorientating. We think, what's going wrong? I was bearing good fruit. Things were going well. Why is God removing things from me? Why is he stripping me back? Did I do something wrong? Is there some sin going on and I just didn't realize? And I know what I tend to do when I'm in that place is I either just try to keep producing fruit and going, how do I, how do I solve this? Maybe, I, maybe if I go this way, which is basically striving, if I just keep trying to push, maybe I'll do something good. Or I go, you know what, I'm worthless. I've got nothing good to give. 
and so I hide from God because I thought my worth in his eyes was based on the fruit coming out of my life. Strive or hide. And yet the purpose of pruning is to take us back to abiding, to take us back to that simple, pure reality of just being with Jesus and just receiving his love. There is never a time when we're supposed to not abide. We must always remain in his love. It's the, it's, it's, it's the consistent thing. So why does there need to be times where fruit is removed, we are pruned, and we're to only abide? Why, do, why is that needed in the process? Well, it's because, like the branch, we'll collapse under the weight of our own fruit. Here's what happens. I'm feeling great. I'm kicking goals. God's at work through me. Let's keep going. Why stop now? And in that attitude, instead of giving our devotion to the vine, whom the fruit comes from in the first place, we start thinking the fruit is what it's all about. That's where the life is. We connect ourselves in the wrong place, and that leads to barrenness, withering, and ironically, no fruitfulness. If we don't understand and embrace this pattern, abiding, growth, fruit, pruning, we'll come to a season of pruning and either avoid it, no, 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 I can't deal with this, or we despair, because pruning hurts, right? It doesn't matter which way you cut it, pun intended, pruning hurts. Oh, yeah, but God's not a God who would hurt us, Luke. No, no, no. God's not a God who will ever leave us or forsake us. The truth we can cling to is that the Father is a loving, gentle, wise, caring gardener. So he's only going to prune what he knows needs to be pruned. He doesn't use a chainsaw and just hack away without consideration of what it's going to feel like. But no matter which way you cut it, it still hurts. So why does God do it? Because he has more for us. Because he wants us to strengthen and grow so we can bear more fruit. Here's how John Piper puts it. Pruning means to cut the branches are being cared for to make them maximally fruitful, both by internal life flowing to us from the vine and by the vine dresser who with his very painful scissors or saw cuts us, even hurts us, so that by these painful providences in life, we experience the fullest possible impact of the inner life of Christ. I know um, in the scheme of things it's nothing much, but for about five or six weeks I've been a little bit unwell with what the doctor finally worked out was some random bacterial infection that most antibiotics don't work on. Um, And I've been tired, I've been fatigued, and in in hindsight it's a relatively small thing in life, but for a while I was just like, God, what the heck? especially as we're about to launch the church plan, uh, what, what the, what's going on? Until a good friend and a mentor sat down with me and he just reminded me of this pattern. Luke, just remember, abiding, growth, 
fruitfulness, pruning. Now, some days I'm still a bit like, what the heck, God? But I'm also grateful. Because in it, and if I look back to other times I've experienced pruning in life, I'm so grateful because I can see in it, in hindsight, the goodness of God. The goodness of God. Here's what I journaled the other day. I was just writing out my prayers to God and I wrote this. I said, God, it's been a tough few weeks, but all that time you know me and you see me. You've been there ready to help me when I need it and you've been in control of it the whole time. Yes, you could have ensured I got the right antibiotics straight away. You could have ensured I avoided this thing in the first place, but you graciously allowed me to experience this, to point me to John 13, 17, for me, for our church. You are good and you're a God. You're a good God. You know, God prunes to take us back to abiding. Because that's the only place we experience life. This series is called Scattered Servants. And uh, it might not seem like we're talking much about the scattering and the serving bit yet. But, you know, the thing about... um, serving and going to bless the world and serve others is that we can have all the passion in the world to go and serve and bless and help people and do good stuff. But servants give, right? That's the definition. That's, that's what it's about. They give with no reward in return, laying down our lives for others. Only if we abide do we have anything of value to give, that fruit that comes from the vine. So whether you're in a season of growth, whether you're in a season of fruitfulness or painful pruning or just nothing but abiding, I pray it would bring you and I back to the invitation of Jesus. His invitation is, remain in my love. He says, come receive what I have for you. Come believe that I am enough for you.